Let us pray. God, we thank you once again for the freedom to gather here and to worship you, for your word, for sending your son Jesus to live amongst us. God, open our hearts and minds and lives to that which you have for us this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are here in this season of Advent, which began last Sunday, and I'm excited. This is, you know, one of my favorite times of year, as you've probably heard me mention a few times or so, or, and uh, I love this season of preparation, this yearly reminder and celebration, not only of the birth of our Savior, but this time to really reflect on what it means that God would send his son to earth. And so these next three uh, Sundays in Advent, I want to look at a couple of the themes of Advent. There are a lot of words and phrases that have become kind of a part of our understanding of Advent, this season of preparation in the Christian church. And so we're going to look at these three themes of waiting, uh, anticipation, and expectation. And today, I thought it would be good we would start with this idea of waiting. And of course, if, if you've been around a little bit, you know that waiting, and if you were even heard in the children's time, waiting is not particularly my spiritual gift or my favorite thing. I was absent on the day that patience was handed out. But when I think about this idea of waiting, this theme of waiting for Advent, and when I think about this story as I reflect once again on the birth story of Jesus, one of the first things I'm reminded of, or one of the first things that my brain is just a natural human being goes back to is uh is micah's birth actually you see we uh, when we were uh, when micah was born when when we were waiting for micah uh, we were living in lafayette uh, we hadn't been married very long and uh and i remember well and we were getting excited of course you know that first child if you've had children or watched people who've had kids that first child you're nervous about everything, you're excited about everything, you have a million questions, and you're surrounded by people who know everything. And, and so we were preparing for that, and all signs from what we knew and read and what the doctor told us, all signs indicated that Micah, perhaps out of the genes of dad, was, uh, was not going to be patient and was ready for, and going to be ready for an early arrival. And Micah was, you know, they give you these due dates, you know, they're really just mildly educated guesses, of course. And so they had anticipated that Micah would be born on July 4th. And so we called him our little firecracker. That's before we knew about Abby. And, uh, and so we, I remember we were waiting and anticipating as we got closer and closer that last month, if any of you know, is not the most exciting month for uh, the, the, the bless them, the pregnant women, or for anyone around them in many cases. And so that last month was difficult and really Jessica, you know, experienced contractions uh, with Micah for more than a day, uh, well more than a day actually, before Micah was born. And I remember on July 7th, it finally got to the point where we called the doctor and we went into the hospital and we were ready and excited. My parents were at the house and they were ready to come to the hospital when we, when we summoned and they'd come out because we'd anticipated an early arrival. And he was already on his mother's time schedule and a little late. And uh, don't worry, she knows I'm saying this. Uh, and, and so it was the seventh that we get to the hospital and we're there 
And the doctor comes in and he decides to send us home. Okay, he's still with us. Uh, and so we go home and I remember that next day, um, the level of frustration in my house, my mother, where I inherited my lack of patience, uh, my dear wife, who was very ready and still experiencing contractions. I remember it seemed like walking the mall for what was like three days, like we were walking to Jerusalem. <laughs> and finally, that afternoon, when the frustration level got to a point of great concern, I called the doctor and I said, listen, here's the thing. Either we're going to go to the hospital and meet you there, and we're going to make this happen. Or we're coming to your office, and you're going to explain to my wife why we're not going to do the first. <laughs> Wisely, he chose to have us come to the hospital. Michael was born later that night, and of course, after a long journey, uh, what a great joy. And you know, these birth stories, the birth story of Jesus took on a different meaning that Christmas. Certainly, unconditional love took on a different meaning. You don't really have a real glimpse of what unconditional love is, I don't think, until that first child of yours arrives and you have that experience in that moment. And recently, one of my former youth group kids uh, who had witnessed some of these less than uh, pleasant moments in the latter stages here, uh, the, him and his wife just had their uh, first child. And I remember they, and she was very late, and I remember there as they were talking about that last month and living through their frustration, how hard this waiting thing is, that last month of pregnancy. And I have to imagine for Mary and Joseph, this must have been much more complicated, this waiting. The circumstances of the birth, the journey that they were on, the uncomfortability of their setting, the, imagine, imagine the, just the thoughts and the wonderments that come with having a child, and this child is the promised Messiah. The waiting is difficult, but the waiting is an important part of our story. You see, this story points us to some important things, this account in Matthew. First, you need to understand in, in that time, there were really three steps to this marriage process. There was the engagement, which is somewhat similar to what we know. There was this period called the betrothal. You weren't really, uh, you were more than engaged, but you weren't married. You were fully committed. It was binding. And then, of course, there was the marriage celebration. Mary, as we know from the story, got pregnant during this second phase. And so Joseph was faced with this issue, with this challenge. Because this, this woman that was to be his wife, that was pledged to be his wife, was pregnant. And with integrity, of course, he didn't feel like he could just pretend. And the law said that she could be stoned, but he couldn't do that. And so he made this decision to divorce her quietly before the dream, of course. But interestingly enough, I want to look at verse 18. We miss this because we're so used to it. It says, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Understand that this is important. This is really important. We say this in our creed every week, that those are not just words. That this understanding 
that the action, that this happened, that the coming of Jesus, not only in this way, but the coming of God's Son to earth, this happened through the action of the Holy Spirit, that all this begins, much like everything else happens in our life, through the action of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit initiates all of this, just like the Holy Spirit attends and tends to initiate everything. That as we wait for the coming of our Savior, as we wait for anything, what we should be really waiting for is looking for where the Holy Spirit is moving, where the Holy Spirit is initiating. Down to verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Through the prophets, actually, that this story is not just some creative idea. Certainly, it was in God's plan, in God's design. But that every little detail, every little detail of this story had a purpose, has a purpose still. Every little detail of the birth story of Jesus fulfills all of the things that we see in the Old Testament prophets. That every detail has a specific purpose. That not only were the prophets fulfilled, not only was the need for a Messiah fulfilled, was, not only was the, the, the being saved from our sins fulfilled, but all of the promises of God were fulfilled. And one of the thing when I, things I think about, when I think about this story and I think about this idea of waiting, is that my waiting ought to be on the promises of God. My waiting, whether by God's action or of human action, my waiting should be for the Holy Spirit to bring purpose to all things. That I should look to all things for God's purpose. That this waiting that we do is not about lines at the store or traffic, but our real waiting this Advent season, but not just this Advent season, and each moment of our lives should be waiting on the arrival, the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our particular situation, in answer to our prayers. And then we go on to verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, which they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I said in Bible study this week, and don't worry, I'm not going to do this, but that this one word could be several sermons of its own today. God with us. We dramatically underestimate, even in this Christmas season, what it means that God would choose. God did not have to. That God would choose to send his son into the world. In such a radical way, by the way such a way filled with conspiracy and wonder and mystery, but that God would come and dwell among us, that God would come and walk among us, that God is still here walking with us, walking among us. John chapter 1 begins this way, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the message translation, I love the way they phrase this, is the word became flesh, that God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That the God of the universe came to earth to be with us. I can't tell you 
even as somebody who tries to seek Jesus with everything I've got, how easy it is to forget and how often I forget that God is with me. It's why we need Advent over and over again to be reminded that God is with us. I don't know that there are many more powerful realities in all the universe. God is with us. That God came to earth, not just for a good story, not just to save us from our sins, not just to show us life. All that is great. All that is glorious. But to be with us. That the presence of God is the most powerful gift that we forget so easily. That God has come to be with us. And so this Christmas season, this Advent season, as we wait for Christmas, as we wait for that opportunity to gather here on Christmas Eve and sing Silent Night as we ready ourselves for that celebration of the birth of Jesus, we can know that God is with us. We can know that this whole season is not about another holiday. It's not about presents or even decorations. It's not about family even, although those are the good gifts of this holiday. It's about being reminded that God is with us and that our waiting, we don't have to wait, you see, for God to be with us. We don't have to wait for Christmas. That is done. The Holy Spirit is here among us in every waking and sleeping moment of our lives. We don't have to wait for God to be with us. What we wait for is for the Holy Spirit. What we wait for is the Holy Spirit to speak and to act and to point us in the right direction. What we wait for is the Holy Spirit to direct us, for the Holy Spirit to give purpose and meaning to each and every moment of our lives, whether a great and glorious moment, whether a difficult and challenging moment, or whether, quite frankly, the mundane. That, I think, is where it's hardest to see God with us, where it's hardest to embrace God. Oswald Chambers, I love to quote this, says this all the time, that he says, you know, it's easy to follow God on the mountaintop in these glorious moments. And in the darkest of valleys, when you have nothing left, it's also easy to follow God. But it is in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment living that embracing God perhaps is the most difficult. But while we wait on the Holy Spirit, we can still know that the Holy Spirit is with us. We can still know that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Seeking to take every moment and like the story, the birth story of our Savior, give it purpose and give it meaning. To surprise us. To call us to difficult obedience. To give us life. You see, we call Jesus the greatest gift to the world, and rightly so. But so oftentimes, and again, rightly so, we frame that and think about that in terms of this God who saved us from our sins. But what about that God who is present with us always? What would be different about my life if I were to recognize in each and every moment that God is present with me? 
What would be different about our lives this Christmas season and beyond if we were to look and to find a way to just a little bit more recognize that God is present with us in our lives? What would change about our heart, our attitudes, the way that we see things, the way that we act, our relationships, all the stuff in our life, the good stuff that matters so deeply to us? What would happen if we were to find a way to see God's presence more in those things? I suspect that everyday ordinary life as well as the extraordinary season of Christmas, would take on a whole new meaning. You see, it was exciting, even though I hated the waiting, and I had the easy job, I get it, for Micah. That was the hardest part, other than not being able to take on some of the things that Jessica had to bear. But you know, there's a dramatic difference between Micah that we're waiting for in the womb and the Micah who became present. Even more dramatically so with Jesus Christ who is present with us. And we wait for the Holy Spirit to act, trusting that God's presence, that God's grace, and that this beautiful story of Christmas are enough to sustain us but more importantly, give us life. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this Christmas story. We've heard it thousands of times, yet you desire for it to have meaning for us more and more in each and every season that we hear it. Help us to recognize the power of, the, of your presence. God, help us in the midst of struggling with waiting on things that don't matter, to wait on the thing that does matter, the initiation of your Holy Spirit. God, transform our lives so that we could see your presence more and more in each and every moment. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.